Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Tending Lamps. Uh, this is our second episode, and in last week's episode, we discussed uh, the philosophy of gentle parenting in our episode, So What is Gentle Parenting? This week, we'll be discussing some of the more practical elements of gentle parenting as we go through how gentle parenting is different from some other uh, methods of parenting. Before we get started, I want to introduce you to our third co-host, Sam. Uh, she is back from her one-episode maternity leave after having little baby Wilder, who you can hear <laughs> in the background a little bit. She's uh, sweetly sitting with her. So, Sam, tell us just a little bit about yourself and how you came to embrace gentle parenting. So my husband, Aaron, and I are both 27, and we live in Central Virginia. I'm a stay-at-home mom and quote-unquote spoonie, which... For the listeners who aren't familiar with that term, it means I struggle with chronic illness. Aaron is a mechanical engineer, and he's a software developer. Um, so we live a wee bit out into the country, um, but still pretty close to civilization. And we have four kids. Our son, Weston, is seven. Um, we have three daughters, and they are four, two, and brand new, um, poet Isla and Wilder. We are an unschooling and game schooling family and some of our favorite things are exploring and learning to forage um, doing all kinds of crafts together collecting and playing tabletop games which is part of our schooling um, cooking together and our kids absolutely love to create and mix music with their dad and his crazy synthesizer setup I don't know how else to explain that but uh, it's really cool and it has a lot of buttons <laughs> our journey into gentle parenting was one both born of necessity and kind of stumbled into. My husband and I were both raised punitively and began parenting that way. It took a couple years of thinking and being told that we just weren't punishing the kids enough to realize that it was not only not working, but causing and escalating troublesome behavior, particularly with our oldest. I began to feel really convicted over how we were approaching discipline and in desperation decided that we needed to stop spanking. Um, thankfully, my husband while he was hesitant, was understanding. And so we just kind of stopped and we had no idea what on earth we should do instead. So began our quest to better understand biblical parenting and to find more tools for our parenting toolbox, as most people in the gentle parenting circle say. And here we are still learning and recovering, but very much relieved and rebuilding with our little ones. Yeah, I think that's really awesome that, um, when it stopped working, you really looked for a biblical model uh, for parenting. Um, and I think that's how a lot of gentle parenters uh, come to the conclusions that they come to. So this week, we're going to be discussing some of the more practical differences between gentle parenting, um, specifically and punitive parenting. Um, and next week, we will tackle some of the differences between gentle parenting and permissive parenting. Um, but let's go ahead and get started. Um, one of the things we wanted to outline just to begin with is the fact that all of us, no matter our parenting philosophy, want our children to love God and their neighbors. And as we go through what gentle parenting is and in ways that it's different from punitive parenting or permissive parenting, we want everyone to know that we don't doubt that you love your kids. And we definitely don't assume that you're bad people or you want to harm your kids. Uh, this is actually a really big reason that we feel so strongly about sharing gentle parenting is not only because we believe it's the biblically faithful way 
to parent our children and therefore the most God honoring way, but because we know that you love your babies and we really want to help you parent in what we understand to be the way that God intended in order to be biblically faithful, of course, uh, but also in order to help your relationships thrive and for your children to flourish. Yeah. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, as we talk about the philosophy of gentle parenting, you'll probably notice that a lot of the ultimate goals of punitive parents actually mirror those of gentle parents. Uh, We all want the same thing for our kids. We all hope that they become kind and courteous and courageous, resourceful and well-disciplined and respectful to others and you know, on and on. We want them to become good people and upstanding citizens. So a lot of those things mirror each other from parenting style to parenting style. But there are some goals that don't line up across the parenting spectrum, of course. Um, And those things tend to be on the more practical side. So that's what we're going to tackle in this episode. So Tell us, uh, Katie and Sam, what are some of the focuses of traditional or punitive parenting? So, I mean, especially as I was raised and what I see today, which is, I mean, punitive is pretty traditional, would be um, emphasis on law and um, punishment and immediate immediate obedience with, um, what do they say, with a good attitude. So it's really like training and a lot of it is punishments and reward based. Um, So it's um, just kind of what I say is what goes. And um, yeah, so it's about um, authority and submission. And I mean, it's a lot of correction and a really heavy emphasis on law, like I said earlier. Yeah. And I think that, um, that quote, is it from, um, shepherding a child's heart? I think that uh, is so indicative of this. And unfortunately this book is really popular in, uh, evangelicalism right now. And this quote from the book goes, uh, the focal point of your discipline and correction must be your children seeing their utter inability to do the things which God requires, unless they know the help and strength of God. Your correction must hold the standard of righteousness as high as God holds it. The alternative is to give them a law they can keep. Uh, The alternative is a lesser standard that does not require grace and does not cast them on Christ, but rather on their own resources. Dependence on their own resources moves them away from the cross. It moves them away from any self-assessment that would force them to conclude that they desperately need Jesus and forgiveness uh, or Jesus forgiveness and power. So, I mean, it's an entire contradiction um, if I give you the law enough. And honestly, I think we go away from the biblical law and we start to impose our own morality in our own houses with good intent. But it's just there needs to be a balance between law and grace. And I just don't see, especially in books like Shepherding a Child's Heart, there really is no balance. And it's I mean, it's maintained that only God can change your child's heart, but then it's also just put on you. Like your job is to change their heart. And that can be confusing for parents too. That's where we found ourselves was (laughs) very confused by this. Yeah. And like, really, you can't use the law in order to change the heart. You just can't. And we all, we all know this, but uh, you especially can't use it 
to try and change your kid's behavior and then say you're using it uh, for their heart and then turn around and tell them, look at how futile your own attempts at law <laughs> You know, that's such a mixed signal to a kid. Do you want me to, do you want me to obey or are you telling me that I can't obey? And I think too, um, the gospel just sometimes tends to get lost in translation here because the whole point is that we couldn't keep the law. We could never keep it to earn our salvation. We could never keep it perfectly. And Jesus had to keep it perfectly on our behalf. And so um, to kind of hold that over our children's head when it's something that no person except the perfect person could do is just a very frustrating thing, both for us and for our kids. Legalism is frustrating. It gives yeah. us all the answers we want because we're kind of making up the rules. But <laughs> Right. So let's talk a little bit about the focus of gentle parenting because we've kind of gone over how it uh, differentiates from punitive parenting. But let's talk about some of the ways that we differentiate um, in a practical sense. So the emphasis in gentle parenting is on grace, collaboration with our children, and relational connection. And of course, when we say relational connection, we don't assume that punitive parents don't value relational connection with their children, but rather that um, in gentle parenting, we begin with relational connection and then bring in correction and discipline rather than the other way around. And we discipline primarily through modeling behavior, uh, again, relational connection, and boundaries like we would have in any other relationship in our lives, uh, not just with our children. Yeah, and I mean, the aim there would be appropriate behavior flowing from genuine respect rather than just fear of getting punished. And then kind of what's left over after that would be the, uh, the relational connection, which I know for me got very muddled as a kid. Yeah, that can be really confusing when a kid is being disciplined uh, through punishment and then afterwards having a moment of connection. And uh, a lot of parents actually, uh, when I've talked to <clears throat> some more punitive parents and they say, oh, but they're, all, they're always so, um, you know, more willing to accept that they did wrong afterwards and they are so... Uh, malleable in those moments and they come to me with affection and uh, what's happening there is it is a real big misunderstanding you know the kid is looking for the connection that was broken through the spanking or through the harsh punishment so we will provide some resources on this uh, point in the show notes but let's move on to some of the things that we don't do in gentle parenting Okay, so practically speaking, what we do not do are punishments at all. And that can be really disconcerting for some people coming from a punitive background. Like, okay, well, I'm on board with not spanking. I can see, you know, biblically that it's uh, not a good thing to do and that there should be other ways to go about it. But what about kinder punishments? But that uh, is not part of GP either. Things like um, spanking and yelling and timeouts, they are unrelated and negative incentives that are imposed beyond or in addition to naturally occurring consequences. They're in response to unwanted behavior and in order to prevent 
that said behavior um, in the future. Uh, taking away property or privileges, except in cases where it's directly relevant and necessary for the protection of people or property. An example would be if little Johnny is throwing his toy at someone's head and won't stop, the toy must be taken away if he is unable to use it without hitting. Um, another aspect of gentle parenting would be not using rewards. Um, so positive quote unquote incentives imposed beyond or in addition to anything that would be naturally occurring, like a, a positive consequence to an action. And the rewards that would be given in punitive parenting would be in response to certain accomplishments or desired behaviors um, or given to encourage certain accomplishments or disbehaviors. The loss of the reward is often threatened as a potential punishment. An example would be you might want to incentivize behavior by giving gold stars on a chart, giving M&Ms for potty training, um, special privileges for consistent good behavior, um, et cetera. So those would be things that we don't do with gentle parenting. So what, what does that leave for us to do? Natural and logical consequences, <laughs> uh, which we will explain um, in just a minute. And I just wanted to touch on the fact that um, with both punishment and rewards, they are kind of contrived, uh, unrelated uh, punishments or incentives uh, to behavior. And so what we're left with is natural and logical consequences, which is kind of the heart and soul of gentle parenting. Um, so let's go over those real quick. Um, natural consequences are consequences that flow directly from an action without any external coercion to make it happen. Uh, so a good example of this is if your child is eating and throws his or her food on the floor, the natural consequence uh, would be that the food gets dirty and he can't eat it anymore. Um, we all face natural consequences all throughout our lives, basically from the moment we're born. And so these can be great teachers for our children. And contrasted with that are logical consequences. And these can be a little bit more confusing for people because um, they can sound a little punitive. But um, a logical consequence is a consequence that also follows directly from an action, but it's enacted or enforced by an outside party. So, for example, if a child throws his food on the floor, the logical consequence is that he must clean up his mess. Consequences are the direct result of an action taken. They're always relevant to the situation because they're almost always inevitable, such as having to clean up a mess you've made. If we shield children from the natural and logical consequences of their actions too often, it's likely that they will grow up with a distorted view of reality and of the effects of their actions on other people. Um, but even with that being said, it's important when you're enacting logical punishments to avoid harshness or using them as retribution to make someone feel sorry for what they've done. Logical consequences should only be used in the pursuit of actual restitution. One of the really important things about logical and natural consequences, uh, well, even more with logical consequences, is that their um, relationship building, actually, when you're focusing on restitution, you're bringing 
your child into the whole process of helping someone feel better or uh, repairing what they've broken or, you know, the relationship that has suffered a disconnection from um, unkind words or hitting or breaking something. And the natural and logical consequence will always be proportionate to the uh, infraction, so to speak. Um, when you add in a bunch of external rewards and external punishments, what often happens is that um, they have to become more and more extreme uh, because you are exacerbating expectations in a way the ex expectations of your child uh, as they get older get bigger and bigger and bigger for bigger rewards the M&Ms are not as satisfying anymore or as scary if they're taken away and so you have to keep making it bigger and bigger but if from the beginning they're raised with a natural expectation of of uh, the satisfaction that comes from accomplishing something or the relational disconnect that comes from being harsh with someone, there is no need to impose bigger and bigger consequences. One last thing we want to touch on is the sustainability of gentle parenting. Um, in gentle parenting, a lot more behavior is just released without an attempt to stop or control our kids. A lot of punitive parenting is based on a perceived threat to your authority and a lack of control over your kids. Foundationally, punitive parenting is based on disconnection and with the purpose of exerting power over your children. So in that sense, gentle parenting doesn't perceive developmentally appropriate behavior from our kids as a threat to our authority um, and we don't seek to control them to even begin with. Which is slightly impossible. Yeah. <laughs> we, can't, we can't control our kids. Um, so we don't even start with that goal in mind. Well, and a piece of sustainability would be that as children become older, um, there's no need for the punishments to become more extreme because as physical punishments like spanking um, or rewards – um, such as sticker charts and stuff, they become meaningless. The, the escalation there to maintain control over your children, it becomes, it becomes useless at a certain point. I think a great point on that is that um, rewards and punishments can also become very unenticing as a child gets older um, mm -hmm. and more uh, aware of kind of the power uh, struggle between themselves and their parents. Yeah, I think that's a really good point because as a kid starts to see, oh, I have power here. Oh, I have power to make my mom upset or I have power to uh, get this now and I can wait until the punishment comes in and let's see how far I can push this. It's very enticing for a kid and it's it can make the behaviors so much worse and we don't even realize we're, we're doing it. Well, and also, I mean, the, um, they reach for reactions too. And I know that I have, <laughs> I have multiple children who, when they want a connection with you or they want a reaction from you, they yeah. really get to a point if you haven't kind of filled the well beforehand that they really, they don't care if it's a negative one. They just want that connection. Yeah, exactly. 
Part of the sustainability of gentle parenting is that natural and logical consequences are always necessarily directly proportionate to the behavior of our children. So whether it's natural consequences where we don't even have to impose the consequences ourselves or logical consequences, they're always in direct reaction to the behavior of our children. So we don't have to contrive them. Uh, this makes gentle parenting extremely sustainable because they never outgrow natural or logical consequences. Yeah, and a really good example of that, um, we talk about littles a lot because we're all raising littles, but another um, thing to think about is as kids are getting older and they're needing more responsibility, and of course they are needing more responsibility um, throughout their childhood, but especially when they reach uh, their teenage years, sitting down with a teenager once they get their driver's license and agree to the terms of them using the family car. They can't be on their cell phone, they need to drive the speed limit, need to text you if they're running late, those types of things. And if they're unable to abide by these rules, access to the car will be limited. And that to me just makes so much sense and is uh, not only so much more sustainable because you know that um, your child is gonna feel included and feel respected, uh, but also it just is a good way to treat them. <laughs> it's a good way for them to learn how to negotiate, to learn how to uh, express what they want without feeling like they're going to be punished for it. Um, and also, I know that when I agree to the terms and conditions of something, I'm way, way, way more motivated to abide by those terms and conditions. Yeah, I think that's a really good example because it, even with a teenager, can eliminate the power struggle um, that parents often yes. seem to face as their children uh, become closer to adulthood. And I think that um, when you base your authority on who's strongest or can exert the most control over the situation, um, naturally as children become older and stronger and more adult-like, uh, they start fighting back and kicking against yeah. those goads. Um, so that can be really uh, powerful to a child to eliminate the power struggle altogether um, and include them on the terms and conditions. Uh, so I think that's a really great example of how gentle parenting can be sustainable from the time our children are infants all the way through the time they leave our homes. Right, and I think some kids would respond by being passive um, or just avoidant. But I mean, I distinctly remember the point when I think my dad told me that he would spank me, and I was like, "I don't think you can actually do that." Like, I'm, I, I mean, I just I stood up against it, and I, and that was the end of that. And so there wasn't really a direction for them to go at that point, um, aside from one that was emotionally unhealthy. Right, and I think that happens a lot. Once kids grow into a certain age and you can't really control them the way you used to and all of your punishments and rewards and all of these things don't work, a lot of people become extremely permissive when at one point they were very, very authoritarian because the punishments just stop having the desired effect. 
So I want to emphasize again that we're not saying that you want bad things for your kids if you're a punitive parent um, or that we think you're terrible people by any stretch of the imagination, but more so that because we believe gentle parenting is the most biblical model for parenting, your methods may not be lining up with your goals um, as well as you would wish. So while the action may look the same between punitive and gentle parenters, we really have to consider the why, and that's what makes this approach completely different. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that you enjoyed this podcast. If you would like to hear more and be part of the conversation, please come join our Facebook group, Tending Lambs Community Group. You can also find us online at tendinglambs.com, and we also have a Facebook page at facebook.com slash tendinglambs. Until next time. Hi. What do you want? A podcast.